This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We can experience God in ordinary circumstances, in a stunning sunrise or a quiet subway ride. We can sense His power in creation and His sovereignty in its order. But He is just as real and present in your particular struggles and your specific pain. When we feel a peace that transcends all understanding in the midst of tough circumstances, we are experiencing the presence of God in our lives. He speaks in ways we expect and in ways we do not. Human life, all of it, is the precinct of epiphany, of God's showing, of God's constant speaking and breathing. From ExploreGod.com This episode is about a personal experience with God and other thoughts in between. And we'll be listening to Lawrence McGrath, an 86-year-old author who used to be a marine pilot, college professor, college president, bank president, and a consultant. In his book, A Cry from the Heart, a personal essay, he expresses his thoughts about religion, dogma, love, and life. Here is the interview with Lawrence McGrath. Hello, Lawrence. Um, My first question to you today is, how have you changed since we spoke a few months ago? Any self-discovery? (laughs) No, 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 I'm pretty well, pretty well set in. My wife would tell you I'm, I'm, I'm rock ribbed. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. Um, There's one question that we, I wanted to ask you that I just mentioned before recording is what life is. And one of the things I believe that everything's changing. Sometimes we don't even know or notice it, but everything's changing, including ourselves. So maybe you didn't notice some change. You see, uh, 
if you are pursuing a goal, then you change as the world changes. And if you have no goal, then there is no change. You just exist. Wow, I love that. And the answer is organized religion does not give us a goal. They tell us one of the seven worldviews, you know, with the that have generated 2,800 organized religions or more, they give their their opinion of what your life is supposed to be, but they don't guarantee it. So we're left uh, alone here. And um, we're born alone. We live alone in the community of our fellows. It's the answer to the question, is life after death? It gives you the answer. You know, my airplane story, uh, it shows you, I, I, I do believe that there is a God of the universe and, and he's, he's after, he's, he's in touch with me. I found it to be very profound what you just said about life without goals. Uh, it's just existing. It's a very interesting idea just to exist then um, we're not constantly chasing something that's not here in this moment. We are not always trying to be happy. Instead, we are happy, not trying to experience, um, not trying to think about the experience of happiness, but being happy and joyful. I like that a lot. I mean, it resonates with me. Not trying too hard. Happiness. Aristotle wrote a book, uh, the, uh, uh, oh, darn it, I can't take of it now. The, uh, the ethic, the, anyway, his whole, his, his whole thesis was, is that happiness is complete in itself because it needs nothing to improve it. That's why I thought, uh, Thomas Jefferson, who was a scholar, had known it and why he added in the pursuit of happiness in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. It's the happiness is the, is a state of uh, completeness. And most people don't know that. The pursuit of happiness. Yes, pursuit of happiness. Yes, yes. Yeah, a moment in time in the future or through things. So happiness that is dependent on other things to exist, right? So before we begin talking about your personal experience with your personal God during that night flight as an instructor pilot, and also other topics like love and beliefs, I have a few questions for you, general well-being questions. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? To, to learn my definition of love. <laughs> and your definition of love, again, for new listeners, is? It's deep appreciation of and gratitude for the object love. And the concomitant issue is not to pose your will on another. What do you think the purpose and meaning of your life is and has been? I don't know. I've wanted an answer. I've asked him to give me a hint. <laughs> but it just it goes along. So I don't know. I, I guess uh, I'll find out someday. 
someday, you said? Yes, someday. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, you ask fundamental questions for which some of them are, um, why was I born? And what am I to do with myself as I live my life? These are self-reflective questions. Um, so you made me think, you made me write something that's in front of me here. I'm going to read it for you. What if the answers to these questions are very simple and perhaps too simple to be accepted as the truth? What if his life is what is happening now exactly as it happens? What if we don't need an answer or a reason to be and feel alive or to feel loved? What if you and I are just like trees with a brain and what gets in the way of enjoying all the love we can give and receive are our beliefs, which provides us with infinite excuses not to be at peace and love and joyful? What if all we need to do to understand life and ourselves deeper is to stop believing that it should be or should not be, or that life was and will be? Perhaps life can just be lived one moment at a time and not believed. These questions we ask and reflect upon might be life questioning itself, and that's good. It might be life-questioning beliefs and how little we know about ourselves. And not all of life is ready to understand its unique way of existing. Yes, I think you're quite right to just validate that. Uh, you know, we 13 and a half billion years, light years, the world has existed. And we got to August 29th, 2019. And we don't know what's going to happen in the next 13 billion years. So it takes some humility to uh, realize that progress is each person figuring out this complex mosaic that you, you mentioned and that you, your project accepts is the sense to make it better. Just make it better. It's all we can do. We can take our little edge of the world and 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 just try to make it better yeah i like the way you question uh, beliefs a lot your own beliefs throughout all these years and other people's beliefs and definitions for this and that yeah it seems to me like it goes back to what came to my mind today maybe perhaps life can just be lived and not believed Yes, yes, that's that's certainly true. Right. It might be that, right, Lawrence? Um, I don't know, but it might be. Yes, it, it, I, I think that's very good. Talk to me about the story, your personal experience with a personal God when you were a instructor pilot. Well, I wasn't very godly then. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I was uh, I was a hot fighter pilot. And, uh, the devil take the hindmost, <laughs> but he he got my attention. Uh, uh, the circumstances were so bizarre 
uh, it, it just there's no other answer in my mind. <laughs> Thank God it intervened and uh, and uh, it saved us, saved us all four of us. Tell us the beginning, middle, and end of that story. Okay,、uh, I was just a fighter pilot in the training command and had the early morning launch and. It was a hot Texas July, and、uh, early in the morning, and I took the three students and、uh, briefed them, and went to the flight line and got the parachute and, and the airplane, and went out and flew for an hour and a half, and came back and debriefed in the hot ready room, and and then picked up three more and did the same thing. And after I got through with the third flight, the、uh, my my. The instructor pilot friend asked me to take his night hop because the, he, his wife was having a baby, and I said sure. And, and、uh, so I, I immediately fell asleep. The students woke me up, and I, I briefed a little too quickly by my standards, but done. And we were, it was a night hop, a high altitude rendezvous. Rendezvousing is hard.、Uh, rendezvousing at night is very dangerous, and rendezvousing at high altitude is suicidal. <laughs> we went on, and、uh, we had a good flight. Night,、uh, the Texas sky was clear, and the stars were bright, and the Gulf was black, and I could see down through Mexico and all the way up to. Houston, and、uh, then all at once、uh, the clouds, the, the fog bank moved in, and for 300 miles inland and all along the coast,、uh, there there wasn't any nothing beneath us but clouds. And、um, I radioed the, the tower and didn't get anything. Switched to the emergency channel and screamed, and I got back scratchy information and. I switched to the tactical frequency to see if the students heard and the, smelled the electrical fire, and, and in, immediately all my cockpit lights were out. And, and、uh, to make a long story short,、uh, I put the number four man in、uh, echelon and waited for him to stall. And when he started to stall, I increased speed. And then、uh, put my nose eight degrees below the horizon, and we figured that if I headed north,、uh, it it、uh, would be a chance. And、uh, but I didn't know which way was north, and、uh, I did. I did. The stars were full, and、uh, I I just、uh, you know I was a hot pilot, and all I needed was a stick and a throttle, and and I had slept through ground school. And、uh, anyway, I chose the star out from the Big Dipper, and, and、uh, we proceeded to just go there. I could have、uh, exploded through the canopy and saved myself, but、uh, they students wouldn't know what was going on. And、uh, anyway, we punched through the sky, and the eight hundred feet, eight hundred eight miles ahead. Was the biggest best lit runway in the whole world. We'd found uh, uh, Randolph Air Force Base, and、uh, 
I didn't know whether how fast we were going. I dropped the dive brakes in the gear, and uh, when the flaps didn't blow off, I knew we were doing less than 165. And I put the wheels two feet over the runway and pulled the throttle idle and waited for the thing to quit flying. And uh, we made a good uh, landing, first formation landing ever for the students. And uh, on the roll out down the runway, the uh, upper four band uh, flamed out. We taxied uh, onto the taxiway, and the number three man flamed out, and I flamed out rolling into the chalks. It was uh, pretty hairy. <laughs> wow. What a story. So what was the message or the lesson uh, from that experience? Well, I didn't know why, but I knew that he had uh, touched me. I spent the rest of my life trying to pay back. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, oh, Morris. Uh, I, I never knew. And, and, and you know, he, he said, maybe it's just to tell the story. Mm, right. Wow. So uh, that's a miracle story. I remember you mentioning that, too. And that relates, miracle relates to anything that cannot be explained with the mind. You wrote, I had a personal experience with my personal God. He was watching after me for his purposes. I love the way you believe in God. It's beautiful. Um, I think beauty has a lot to do with what life is really about. I have three questions for you that might not be so beautiful, but I can only ask you to be open. Why is there a need for personal God? Why do we need to believe that there is a God? Well, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't uh, set out to believe in God. I just, he just, you know, I, <laughs> he just did. <laughs> and, uh, mm. I, I guess it has to do with life after death, uh, preparing us. Uh, I have a book. I haven't mentioned it before. It was written in 1860-some. But a lady who died in this world, and she recounted her trip to heaven. And uh, it was really a beautiful story. And she came back to life, and she went around telling people her story. But uh, the one thing that really struck me was uh, there was a, a boy sitting by the lake in heaven. He was just beside himself. He couldn't make ends meet. He had murdered his mother with his wife to get the money, and uh, the mother was trying to uh, tell him it was all right, but he still was blaming himself. So I think that in heaven, there's a big reconciliation <laughs> going on, and uh, you know all of the things we think are sins, and they probably are, and maybe... But uh, they were reconciled in heaven. Right. Yeah, it is a beautiful story, right? Um, I'm just wondering, you write, what you talk about these things, and you make me think deeper and deeper. I wonder if all this is just uh, a belief that comes from our um, wishes, our wants, and our interpretation of 
of experiences? Well, uh, having always searched for meaning for being, uh, I, I obviously I think that there, there's a acorn behind every tree. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, where we are definitely uh, influences our thoughts uh, on that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The other two questions I had, I don't think you need to answer them. But I just asked myself, why does this um, personal God that Lawrence uh, talks about, why does he have to watch over anyone for his own purposes? Why do you or do we supposed to do something for God? These are questions that I, I would love for you to answer, but I, it might not be needed anymore. He watches over us uh... Like, uh, let me see if I can get a good, uh, uh, like sunshine. Sunshine just is, and it shines on you, and, you know, you walk around in it and everything. Uh, he can't help himself or herself. And so, but he can. It's like a, 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 a kid driving a convertible down the highway, and he's going 90 miles an hour. He's uh, above him. And he sees a bridge out, and he, with the microphone, he tries to tell him, you know, look out, the bridge is out, going too fast. He does tell me, uh, when I listen and, and talk to him, he does tell me things, and, and I pay attention. And uh, I think I did another session, I, I told you about the the permissive will, prescriptive will, and, and the permit uh, the other will and that uh, things we should do there's things we shouldn't do but there's a whole lot of things that we can do and to live within his will you just ask him what do you think and he'll tell you most most of the time and when he doesn't say anything uh, you're free to do what you want and you have to take the take the consequences Right. Hmm. Do you think that perhaps we are creating out that, that idea and concepts about a God out there? Perhaps God is in you as you and lives and acts as you, exactly as you. Well, that's certainly possible. And uh, the, we, we don't know a thing about the mind. I mean, we're just beginning to understand the mind and the body and uh, how it all works and how we talk to each other. <laughs> and we're, we're just, we're, we're, we're cripples. We're, we're working with defective tools. Mm. Yeah. Coming from a psychological standpoint. Yeah. That's the studies of the brain, the mind, all the mechanisms and all that. Two things I have understood about the mind, my own mind. It's um, one, it's creating all the time. It creates everything. It keeps creating things. Um, and also lives, it loves the past and the future. Rarely my mind is interested in what's happening now, in this moment, rarely. I'm very aware of that. So I keep kind of bringing it back, focusing on what I'm doing now, instead of just dwelling in the past or trying to imagine a better future for myself. 
So these are the things that I understand about the mind. Well, you know, you know what Lily Tomlin said? You, you know who Lily Tomlin is? No, I don't know who she is. She's a comedian, and uh, she says, I didn't begin to get well until I gave up all hope of a better past. And, and uh, reading your book, you've got a lot to give it up. <laughs> <laughs> right, a lot. I had to. <laughs> the mind was obsessed with the past. Yeah, so obsessed that I was depressed, right? Yes, and and uh, the, the things not yet here are to be just accepted as not yet here and you can make them or work toward them or try to accomplish them but if you get it done fine if you don't fine right. i like that you see that's the great attitude for mental health in my opinion yes yes it is it, and uh anyway that's that's why you you know you're always in god's will when you when you ask him uh should i do this and it's in a permissive will uh, area uh, you, you know, and he doesn't answer, and, and you do it, and you blow it. You know, you just mm, put your foot yeah. to the hoop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just really blow it. And you, but you don't fail. You cannot fail when you're acting on that because you know God got from you what he wanted, which was your obedience to asking. And uh, that's why. He, God's in the bowling business. He he knocks over a lot of pins with one ball. Right. That's yeah. We can plan all we want, right? But it doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> you see, I go back to what you said to me in the beginning of our conversation today. You said I'm going to give you my suggestion, my opinion about the podcast and what you're doing, but don't take it personally. That is so powerful. And then you inspired me when you talked on and on about personal God. And I, I wrote something here today, this morning. I noticed that all of my profound personal experiences with the unknown or the universe lacked the person called Valeria. When I experienced life as being life itself and not something apart from it, not someone who watches, judges, expects, believes, forces uh, things to happen, wishes, and takes notes of everything. I'm free to be without attachment of ideas and concepts. I embrace the only truth there is, that life is here now, and I am it. Yes, yes, very good, very good. <laughs> I like it. Thank you so much. So my next question to you, are you still okay with me asking you a few more questions? Well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. <laughs> Can we have a worldview that doesn't require a belief? For example, if you say, this is something that you mentioned too, we are all on this spaceship called Earth. So this is, you didn't say this, but let's say you did as an example which is very different than saying uh, we are all on this rough ride that is life or we are on this beautiful ride called life. So I think the words difficult, challenging, uh, rough or beautiful or magnificent, magical, whatever words we use, adding to that, 
it's a belief. But if you say that we are here having this experience on earth in a body, that doesn't require belief. Well, let's see. You operate within a worldview. Everybody has, there are seven mutually exclusive worldviews. Everybody operates in one or more than one, uh, but uh, in ignorance. But, uh, and from those come the 2,800 religions. But I don't know how the thinking mind uh, who tries to answer the questions can do it without a worldview. Mm-hmm. So what are the worldviews that you just mentioned? Uh, pantheism, uh, uh, well, first there's uh, theism, which is Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Polytheism, which is Hinduism, Zen Buddhism, Mormonism. Panentheism, is Alfred North Whitehead and Charles Hawthorne. Pantheism, Hinduism, Transcendentalist and Spinoza. Finite Godism, John Stuart Mill and William James. Deism, Voltaire, Thomas Jefferson, and Hobbes. Atheism, Hume, Nietzsche, and the Humanist Manifestos. Those are the guys who promoted them or talked about them. And, uh, and the, the, you, you can get the book. Uh, Guy, Norman Geisler wrote a book, Worlds Apart, and he explains it very clearly. You just, everybody is operating under a worldview, and, and I guess that's what you get for having a brain. <laughs> yeah, you have to believe in something. I'll be guided <laughs> by something. <laughs> I'm wondering if we, we can just be guided by what is, like life, the way it's happening. You're not attached to any ideas or concepts. You're just open. What about being open to what the truth might be? And if it never comes, never comes. If we never know really what the truth is, fine too. Well, then you're an atheist. Uh, no, because being an atheist also requires to make statements. Like I would make statements like, I don't believe in God, or maybe I'm not sure. So I'm not really saying that. No, no. Uh, the atheist just believes there is no God. It, it takes different forms. Uh, but it, if you say there is none, and you just exist, uh, you're saying there is no God. That's what Nietzsche's trouble was. I, I thought Nietzsche uh, w- went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's not a good thing to do. Think too much, yeah. Well, he, he, syphilis probably had something to do with it, but he uh, he, he tried to, to describe a world without a God. And the language didn't permit him to do it, and he he was frustrated. I mean, our language just connotes God in every way possible. What about if someone it's in between? Okay, there is God, there isn't God. What would that be? What kind of mind or ideas or beliefs are those? They don't. It doesn't seem to be a belief then, if you are just in between. Well. He's just uh, a person who's who's riding the fence. <laughs> oh, who's doing what? I'm sorry, say that again. Riding the fence. Oh. And he's going to ride it into the sunset. And he find out when it, when it comes uh, sooner or later. Mm. But uh, and that's an agnostic, and that's not a worldview. Agnosticism is just a, a fence sitter, and he can't make up his mind. and. 
<laughs> I can, yeah, that's that's cute. Yeah, I don't know because I feel like I am like that, and it's not that I cannot make up my mind, understand my own mind, or, or some things about life. It's just that I choose not to give attention to things that are not important. I don't think I need to have a worldview. I just need to be me. Just I just have to dwell in this body, in this mind, the way wherever it goes. I see that goes a lot, it asks a lot of questions, very curious about this and that, but without attachment to the results, without any wishes for things to happen the way I want it to happen, it's almost like already I'm already dead, which is interesting. Uh, you're, you're a very active lady and uh, you're, you're very uh, energetic and... and uh, so I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but these things uh, don't bother you and uh, they bother me. And uh, so if you are content with being fit, and with encouraging others to be fit and eat healthy and and uh, take care of themselves and don't smoke and and um, and encourage them the way you are doing. Uh, I think that's a wonderful thing, and uh, you don't have to worry about who's in charge. Uh, you know what you know and why you know it, and if that hasn't convicted you to a belief system, don't worry about it. Mm, yes, right, right, right. Although I love to read about these things, religion, thoughts, ideas, but they don't, yeah, but I don't, I don't attach to them, right? I don't adopt them as my own. And, and, and you, you have to consider your upbringing, uh, that you, you've got a long hurdle uh, to climb over for, for that, uh, the, 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 your broken dreams and everything. From your mother and your through your heritage, and you sound like you've made peace with your mother and your father, and but those those scars are still there, and uh, you have to. I think you just have to pray that they go away. And Lily Tomlin, <laughs> it's a good 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 way to to give up all hope of a better past. It is just as a good way to heal the scars mm. Mm, it's interesting that you're saying that i'm just wondering why like do you feel like our experiences our painful and horrible experiences that's now in the past they are still affecting us in ways that we are not conscious of Yes. Oh, yes. Mm. Oh, so you're saying that I do what I do, I perhaps do what I do because of it, all the pain that I went through. Yes, that's possible. I, I, that's beyond my paycheck. You said the spirit of the universe is patient. So my question is, is the spirit of the universe also indifferent? Well, I, 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 that's just an opinion. I don't think so. But I don't know what his game plan is, and I, I fussed with him a lot. Uh, to, he he gave us a defective instruction manual called the Bible, and the Koran, and the, all the rest of them. He gave us a system whereby the oral tradition is dominant, which is 
really bad, and he, he gave the institutions uh, enormous power, the Catholic Church and the Muslims and the Protestants, and uh, I just think he could have made it a lot easier, but uh, that's it's not my... I, I didn't design the world. <laughs> you also mentioned um, things like murders are um, at hundreds uh, of thousands annually, and we have a lot of problems with death on our highways, uh, suicides at uh, an, an um, alarming rate. We have uh, President Trump. You didn't include the suffering of the animals or in the animal world where there's a lot of um, animal abuse everywhere. Uh, we you didn't talk about the forest, you know, the, the, the vegetation that burns. So I'm just wondering, why are we sometimes selective and limited with our capacity to expand? Or my question really is, are we selective and limited with our capacity to expand our love and compassion? To everything and everyone. Well, yes, I, I, I don't go to the animals and the trees and the flowers and everything. I, I just focused on the human because uh, it was a big enough challenge. <laughs> right, it is big enough. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know about the animals and the trees, and you know, I've, I've often thought uh, if God was an artist, a painter, you know. Uh, and uh, he chose you to be a, a speck of yellow paint in his canvas, would you be satisfied with that for eternity? And, uh, you know, to be chosen is, is a big deal, and to be on a painting, it's, it lasts forever. Uh, and uh, But I, my answer is no. <laughs> it wouldn't satisfy me because uh, I, I, I want to I do more. And I w wouldn't think it'd satisfy you. But I think that we need to think about that God just might be using us for a speck of paint in his canvas. Right. Hmm. I never heard it that way. Lately, I have been hearing a lot about selfishness. So I'm also wondering if selfishness or being selfish connected to our personal beliefs, wishes, and wants. Uh, no, no, I, I deal with selfishness in the Kegel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, we, uh, we, our, our society breeds it and, uh, and incorporates it and rewards it, and <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. We encourage selfishness. Yeah. The more selfish we are, we are further from God. I don't think that being selfish is what he wants for us. I think with my definition of love and not using your will to impose on others, uh, you know, cancels out the selfishness. And, and uh, you're, you're, that's the goal. That's the goal. Right. Yeah, you talked about the um, uh, ultimate goal. So you say, who knows what our ultimate goal will be? Yeah, 1,300 billion years from now, who knows? <laughs> well, we, we, we'll, <laughs> we'll just be a fly speck. <laughs> mm, yeah, whatever will happen to the human race. Um, but that's why 
in a way, Lawrence, I try not to separate ourselves as human from the rest of nature and the universe. I like the idea that we are just um, the way the reason why we separate because we have the capability to do so. We have a mind that loves to create and, and to believe in everything. It's always changing. Maybe, maybe, maybe the the ultimate goal for humans, if we still exist, millions, billions of years from now, would be great to be something like this deeper understanding that we are life, that we are not entities created and manipulated by life, that we are not people separated from nature, like I said, in, in the universe, that life is just you and me exactly as we are. Yes, yes, and, and, and work together to achieve the goal, yeah. Right, right. Once we understand this, I think it will be so much easier to work together because now, okay, we are one thing and we are part of this, not part of this one thing, which actually are this one thing called God, universe, nature, higher power, whatever we call it. Well, and this is why your work is so important, Valerie. I, I, I hope you know that I mean that. Oh, yes, I do. With all my heart, yeah. Thank you so much, Lawrence. You've been wonderful. Okay, I have just a few more questions for you. What motivates you to be a good person and to do good in the world besides your belief in God? Well, it's just the easiest way to get along. I was a lawyer and uh, I was a son of a bitch. And uh, there's just no question about it. And uh, so... It it, it it takes a long time to, to act gently and uh, caring. You have to unlearn everything you learn. That's, see, you're, you're all your speakers are over 40. They all have learned, and it's just, it, it takes, my grandchildren, they, they hear me, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they get started uh, sooner than I did. And so, you know, that's what, what we have. If you die today, what would be your last words, you think? <laughs> I know, it's, it's a silly question. <laughs> well, I tell my wife I loved her. Mm, wow, that's beautiful. What are three important things everyone should know or do before they die? Find out who they are. Look to see how they can help somebody else and try to make a contribution with your life to the progress. Wonderful. If anyone wants to be in contact with you, what's the best way? Email lawrence1317 at gmail.com. Great. Thank you so much again, Lawrence. Thank you. <laughs> it's wonderful talking to you. It's fun. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> a lot of fun. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lawrence McGrath, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. 
I want to thank the Patreon members Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.